So, okay, let's look at Exodus chapter six. Last week, Troy preached from the beginning of Exodus six, verse one and verse two, all the way down to verse nine. And I've listened to that sermon Online, I want to remind you all that if you if you have to miss on a Sunday morning that we do, our, our website is, has been much improved. Um, it is very easy. I was driving back from North Carolina and through my phone was able to listen to Troy's sermon the, the day that he preached it. Or, or actually the next day. I drove back Monday. He preached it on Sunday. Through my phone, through the car radio, I listened to Troy's sermon that quickly. It's available to you. I've had several people today tell me they weren't going to be here today. It is spring break. You know that. There are a lot of people busy. And, 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 and so we tell them, hey, stay, stay involved. The way our church does it, I'm not preaching some random sermon this morning that if you miss it, it it's not a big deal. We are preaching through the whole book of Exodus. If you were here last week, then you're going to know exactly what's going on today. And so so if you're not here, uh, if you have a computer or a phone, listen to it through the Internet. If you don't, pick up a CD. We make those CDs available for free. Um, and so we want you to do that. And I did that. And so I know what Troy preached on last week. And I love where he says, I am promises I will. You remember him saying that? God has finally said to them, I will do it. You remember two weeks ago when I preached, it ends with Moses saying, God, you're not helping us at all. The people are complaining. Pharaoh's not listening to us. We are still uh, in slavery. It looks like there's that there's that great quote. It says in chapter five, the end of chapter five, verse 23, it says, why have you done this evil to your people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people and you have not delivered your people at all. And Moses seems to be frustrated and discouraged at the fact that God is not doing anything. So Troy preaches last week, Exodus six, two through nine. God says, I will. So here today we come, we're going to begin at Exodus 6, verse 10, and we're going to go all the way to 7, 7, okay? And I want want you to see this, that this passage is one of those, it's like a summary. And so I'm not even going to walk verse by verse today because it is a summary. You, You are familiar with it. And I'm going to remind you where we're at because we're now we're about to see God move. You know the Exodus story, or if you do, you know that God is about to do this through the ten plagues. God is about to come strong. He's already mentioned several times that he will set the people free through a, through a mighty strong hand. God will do that. It's going to take the strong hand of God to set the people free. And so he is really setting the stage to do that at the end of 6 and at the beginning of chapter 7. And that's what we're going to see today. As Troy's already mentioned, we all have been enjoying March Madness. One of the biggest games in the history of the state of Kentucky was just the other night, Friday night, as Kentucky and Louisville played. March Madness has been great, and it's only going to keep getting better and better as we move into the Final Four. One of my favorite things about March Madness, if you're a fan, you will know this, is that after the championship on Monday night, when everything is done and the post-game interviews have, have, have happened, the last thing that CBS shows is one shining moment. And I'm not sure if you know what One Shining Moment is, but it is outstanding. It is a compilation of all of the highlights of the entire tournament with the background of a song called One Shining Moment sung by Luther Vandross. And it's awesome. It might be 1 a.m. and I might have to be somewhere at 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning, but I'm staying up to watch that. 
this year, I don't really care who's in the championship. I don't like any of the teams that are left. But I'm going to be watching one shining moment at the end of the championship game on Monday night. It is an awesome moment. And what they do in that song is they bring together in about two to three minutes... All of the highlights of the tournament. They will remind you that there were upsets on the very first day, that Thursday, um, in the round of 64. And they will recall all that's happening through an awesome song that kind of gets at your heart. And whether your team lost in a bad upset or whether your team made it far, whether you loved the tournament or hated the tournament, that one shining moment makes you think, wow, college basketball is great. What's happening here in the book of Exodus is that God is setting us up in chapter 6 and 7 to see God is victorious. God is great. He's grand. He is glorious. God is a rescuer of people. God is a deliverer to people who need deliverance. God sets people free. God is able to go over and above our circumstances that look like there is no hope or there is no potential. God is able to take us when we are so down and out or when we are so confused about why. And God is able to work there. And Where we're at today is going to show just that. I want us to see three points. The first is to remember who you are. Remember who you are. The second is to remember who did this. The second is to remember who did this. And then the third is to remember who gets the credit. Remember who gets the credit. Okay. So let's look at Exodus chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. I'm going to read all the way to 7-7. So the Lord said to Moses... Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am a man of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jamuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shemai by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. The years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. Notice here in the genealogy are the key players of our story, Aaron and Moses. The years of the life of Amram being 137 years. Verse 21. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepbeg, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elsaphon, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife Elisheba, the daughter of Amenadab, and the sister of Nashon. And she bore him Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These are the clans of the Korites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, 
bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. This Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them, Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. I read this passage and I read a lot because part of what we're doing, as I've already mentioned, is we are gaining an understanding of the flow of Scripture. You are understanding God's revelation to us. You are understanding the, the theme of the Bible. God created a people. The people are disobedient to God. God says He's going to create a people for His worship, for His glory. He does that. Uh, they are in slavery now. And God says He's going to set them free. And we're reading about it. God is creating a nation that he will have for his glory, for his name. And he will bring them into a land that will be theirs as he satisfies them. We're reading about that happening. But in our passage today, you have heard most, if not all, of what we just read. You heard that. You're familiar with it. A lot of it is redundant because Moses, in writing the book of Exodus, as I said, is setting the stage for what God is going to do, how he is going to bring this about. I want you to hear number one. Remember who you are. In this passage, we see so many things that jump out to us about how Moses is not the one special in this passage. I want to remind you that the Bible teaches us from the beginning to the end that God has created us for his glory. The purpose in everything happening in the Bible is that God would be worshipped. And the purpose of everything happening in your life is that God would be worshipped. I know a lot of times we are so distracted or so far away from that that we fail to remember that it is the worship of God that is the very core and center and purpose behind everything we experience. When God gives you a child and we get to celebrate like Sophia being here today, the overarching theme is that Sophia would grow up and live to the glory of God. That Andrew and Wendy would parent to the glory of God. That is the ultimate purpose behind it. And us getting to enjoy anything that there is in life. Like I opened up today with the spring weather. And I know that you, like me, are so encouraged today by just an awesome spring day. 
Right? It's supposed to be in the 60s today. It's sunny. It's awesome. Tomorrow's going to be even better. It's going to be in the 70s. We have been waiting for this for a long time. It has been a hard winter. Winter, But you and I, in understanding the weather even, are to be people who worship God. God controls the weather. God makes the weather. God is brighter than the sun, more radiant than the sun, stronger than the sun, glorious. More glorious than the sun. And everything in life is to be about that. As we are reading through the book of Exodus and seeing God redeeming his people, first of all, God's people being in slavery is to get our attention and and, and to represent us being slaves in our sins, us being in need of deliverance like they are. But God doing that for them is to show us that it is only God that does it. So often you and I, though, will fail to understand that or to forget that, and we'll come out thinking, man, Moses is awesome. Moses is the man. And rightly so. Moses is a key player. We are to look at heroes in the Bible like a Daniel or, or a Noah or a, or a King David and to think, yes, they are the man. They are heroes of ours, but not to the extent that we neglect God and his worship. And we're often like this in life. Especially when you have a, a mentor or, or, a, or a preacher or somebody who has so impacted your life. So many times we will, we will forget that God has done it and we will so be thinking this man has done it. This person is key to do it. Without them, we wouldn't be here and, and things like that. In our passage today, I want to remind you who you are. And I want to, you to remember who you are. We'll start with Moses. First of all... Moses is not anything special. Can I remind you that Moses already killed somebody, right? Moses already killed somebody. Then Moses already had to flee and run from it. Moses was hiding out, okay? So he's not, he's not anything special. Moses is a sinner just like you are a sinner. Is he somebody that God's using? Yes. But let's look at some ways here in this passage that we see this. First of all, in chapter 6, verse 12, Moses is discouraged saying that nobody listens to him. Nobody listens to me. Verse 12, he says, but Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me, my own people. I'm the leader of the people and they don't listen to me. How in the world is Pharaoh going to listen to me? If my people that I'm the boss of don't listen to me, then you better believe that a king who's greater than me in charge of another people who is over our people now as their slave owners. He's not going to listen to me. And you hear Moses saying that nobody listens to me. Right. We're reminded in this passage that that Moses is not this boss guy walking around. Well, let me talk to him. Oh, let me go down there and talk to him. If I talk to him, we'll make something happen. We just need them to. We just need him to. Because when he talks to people, he makes things happen. If you you can get Moses to go talk to Pharaoh, oh man, they'll let him right out. He's a sweet talker. He's a smooth talker. He knows how to make it happen. No, it's not it. See, this is not a place where you think, well, Moses was such a great leader that he went into Pharaoh and he pulled some strings and he made it happen and they got delivered. That's not what it is. Moses tells us people don't listen to him. People of Israel don't listen to him. Pharaoh's not even going to listen to him. And he also says that he doesn't speak well. Not only do people not listen to him, he doesn't speak well. And if you know anything about Moses, you know this. He says it over and over again. In our passage today, he's already said it twice. At, at verse 12, he says... How then shall Pharaoh listen to me, for I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. Moses is not an eloquent speaker. Moses is not the type of person who says, I'll stand up and I'll speak. Everybody listen to me. Moses doesn't do that. He's not good at that. He says it again if you look down at verse 30. 
But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Moses continues to protest. He continues to let you and I know, and we see it in this passage, that if if Pharaoh's going to let the people go because of him being obedient to God and saying it, it's not going to be because of how good of a leader he is. We need to remember that about Moses. Moses is certainly remembering that about him. Moses is doubting if the people are going to be able to let go because he's thinking about he's not good enough to do it. Moses thinks that the people are not going to be set free because he's not good enough to do what needs to be done to let the people go or to influence Pharaoh to let the people go. But then we have the genealogy. Remember who you are. We have the genealogy. And right here in the middle of our passage, Moses takes time to write down his genealogy. It goes from verse 14 all the way to verse 25. That's the part that I was reading where I struggled so much with all these Hebrew, Hebrew names. The genealogy right here. This isn't a full genealogy. There's a lot of generations that are skipped here. We only have like four mentioned. But what this genealogy does is it shows us who Moses and Aaron are. It shows us that they are people from a family. It shows us that they're people from the line of Israel. It shows us that they are from Levi, specifically. But it shows us that Moses and Aaron are people, not super special people. People have just come down through the line. He points this out if you look at verse 26. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel. And one of the things that I love about being around family is that when you get around family, there, there is no uh, status of how great you are. I remember a couple years ago, Cody, Cody Zeller, the big seven-footer that played for Indiana a couple years ago, he was a superstar and he went drafted in the first round of the NBA and he's playing in the NBA now. And I remember reading an article on him because he is a Christian. But I remember him reading an article and, and they asked the question, how do you stay humble when everybody's trying to praise you? And he said, when I go home, mom makes me do the laundry. When I go home, mom makes me do the dishes. When I go, to, when I go home, I'm not getting all this attention. Mom just makes me get right in line like any other 19-year-old will get right in line. See, when you're around family, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar basketball player. You still got to listen to mom. When you start listing family trees and looking at moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins, you start doing all that. You get into, hey, it's just just another man. You know, those expressions where you say, hey, I'm just another man like you are. Right. I put my pants on one leg at a time each morning, just like you do. Right. And you hear phrases like this to remind us that people are just a man. And this is what's happening with Moses and Aaron here in this genealogy is that you and I are not to be thinking, oh, these people are so key and so influential that they're going to be the key to the deliverance of the people of Israel. No, no. The point of this passage is to see that the people of Israel are so in bondage that if God does not do a saving work, a delivering work in them, they will not be where God wants them to be. And I want you to remember here today of who you are, where you came from. And you might be great and successful, but there are also some points here, just like on Moses, that could remind you, you know what, I I am a sinner. I do have my faults. I do have a family. I do have a family tree. And I want to ask you here today to remember who you are. Remember where you came from. 
One more point I want to make about Moses in chapter 7, verse 7. It reminds us that he's 80 years old. 80 years old. Most of the time when somebody is 80 years old, they're no, they're no longer the key leader, the spokesperson, the boss of thousands and thousands and thousands. At that point, they have usually passed the baton. Moses writes in Psalm 90 that people typically die at age 70, and if by reason of strength they will live to age 80. Something that I quote almost at every funeral I do. If you make it to age 80, the Bible says that you have been strong. Moses is 80 years old right here. Okay, He is not going to set the people free from the slavery in Egypt, from the, the, the crazy uh, Pharaoh... Because of how great of a leader he is. Is he a great leader? Yes. But that's not the point of this passage. That's not the why. That's not the how. I want you to remember who you are. Just like we're remembering who Moses is. The people of Israel are not going to be set free because of how great and successful Moses is. I want you to remember that there were times in your life when you were younger that you made bad decisions. And the next time that you have to deal with a young person who's making bad decisions, I want you to remember that you used to make bad decisions. And the next time that you see yourself uh, being judgmental toward someone, I want you to remember that what you're judging them on, you have often made those mistakes before. Or that you don't want other people being judgmental toward you in those ways. See, so often our problem is that we have forgotten who we are. Especially when we get some success. Or when you start to make some money. Or you start to get credit. You start to think, man, I'm just so good. Or I'm so successful. Or I do such a good job that that's how I'm here. And you forget that there was a time when you weren't that way. And the point behind all of that is remembering that, that there were other factors that got me to this place. Factors that I can't take the credit for. There are other factors that got me to this position. Factors that I can't take the credit for. And certainly one of the factors is the blessing of God, the hand of God moving in this way to put you where you are. We need to remember who we are. When we start thinking about what the Bible says about us. The Bible says that the world is a level playing field. That all of us have sinned before God. See, for as great as we are, we still have our sins. And it is so arrogant for you to think that you're right with God or you're okay if your sins have not been dealt with. We need to remember who we are. Last night, I stayed up for the last game. Arizona-Wisconsin, an awesome game. And Wisconsin won by one point, came down to the last second shot. But after the game, Wisconsin's coach, Bo Ryan, had an interview. And I was taken back by this. He's 66 years old. He's gray-headed. He's been coaching for a long time. And this is his first ever trip to the Final Four. You know what he said in his interview? He said, I'm so thankful for my parents. I was shocked. 66-year-old man going to the Final Four, and he's thankful to his parents? thankful to his mom. He talked about his mom. He said, I'm thankful for my dad. And he talked about his dad. And I just, I just stood there like, wow. I told Val. I said, Val, you don't think parenting's important? 
You don't think parenting is influential that this 66-year-old man reaching his goal of coaching to make it to the Final Four for the first time ever on national television? He could have said, uh, man, we deserve this. Man, it's been a long time coming. I sure have put in a lot of time working and scouting and watching tape and practicing and investing in these players. I want to thank my mom and dad. My mom and dad made me who I am. My mom and dad taught me all this. He's 66. He's not an 18-year-old signing a college scholarship saying, thanks, mom and dad. He's 66 years old saying, thanks, mom and dad. In some way, he remembers who he is. I don't know if he's a Christian. But there's a remembering there of who he is and where he came from. And that there are factors that got him to that position. You and I have to look at this passage. At the way God is going about getting His glory through a people. And we have to remember that Moses is not the key ingredient. Moses is not the key working person here to make sure the people get free. We remember who Moses is. Do you remember who you are? Secondly, we remember who did this. We remember who did this. God, bringing them out of where they are, is, is, is the one who's going to make this happen. God is using Moses and Aaron. God is using Pharaoh working through him. But it is God who will do this and make this happen. We see this too. God says it. Look at chapter 6, verse 10. So the Lord said to Moses, go in and talk to Pharaoh. Look at chapter 6, verse 26. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Here's the foundation for what is going to take place. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. So while Moses and Aaron are, are, are going to be uh, key in this, this is God that is doing it. God is using them. It is so important for people of God who are going to worship God to be able to say, God got us here. I remember just two weeks ago when Tony Bennett, head coach of Virginia, won the ACC tournament. In his postgame interview, he says, I thank God that he put our players in position to do this. I thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he put our players in position to do this. One might say, what did Jesus have to do with Virginia's players doing that and playing well? Yet you and I are people who think, well, God has worked everything for us. God is the one putting us in these positions. This is what we're seeing here. We are not to be thinking that Pharaoh is doing this. We are to be thinking God is doing this. God is using them. Then look at chapter 6, verse 28. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. Again. Moses has been told by God, here's what you're to be going to do. And it is God that is going to be doing it. Let's keep going. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. A big statement. Moses will be speaking to Pharaoh. A man leading one nation will be speaking to another man leading another nation. And in history, that's what it is. 
That's the facts. But the truth behind it is that it is God doing this. God says to Moses, you will be like God to Pharaoh. And I want to get us to stop and think for a second. That God, working in the world, does it through people. I want you to think right now, and I've said this oftentimes, about Louisville and what we've got, you know, what, over a million people here living in in, in greater Louisville, metro Louisville. How many people are actually Christians? How many are actually in church here in Louisville? And what's it going to take for for God to reach them? What's it going to take for uh, those people to get saved and to surrender their lives to Christ, be forgiven of their sins and on their way to heaven, be worshipers of God? What's it going to take? It's going to take God to move. But how's He going to do that? Through people that go and love and serve in the name of God, proclaiming, Christ crucified. That's how God does it. But we know it's God that would have to make it happen. But somebody's going to have to do it. And if somebody's going to have to do it, then there's going to be some people out there literally on the grounds laboring to tell people about Jesus so that we would see that happen. But let's just say that that really started happening. Or or just to small it down a little bit. In Fairdale. Outer Loop to Coral Ridge to Keys Ferry to National Turnpike. Let's just make a little box right here that is Fairdale. And they tell us that, that we have about 8,000 people. And the way the airport and UPS are expanding, Fairdale's somewhat shrinking numbers-wise. We've got about 8,000 people in Fairdale. How many of those people are Christians? There's not very many at all in a Fairdale church on a Sunday morning, unfortunately. Maybe some are driving to churches outside of Fairdale. I don't know. That's one of the goals that our church is is focusing on, is that we would reach people here in Fairdale. But what's it going to take for the 8,000 people in Fairdale to bend the knee to the Lord Jesus and to worship God as a loving Savior, good for them? It's going to take God working. But how's God going to do that? He's going to do that through people. Through people who love and serve. And proclaim Christ crucified. That there would be people that hear that God would forgive them of their sins. And who would believe on Christ and repent. And then lives would be changed. But if that was to be happening, then there would have to be some people, some individuals, or a church, individuals from a church, who are out there doing that. And if that started happening, there would be the talk of they're making a difference, he's making a difference, she's making a difference, they are key, that sort of thing. But you and I know that the truth behind revival, people coming to faith in Christ, is that God does it. In our passage here, at Exodus chapter 7 verse 1, Moses says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Is Pharaoh going to let the people go? No. God has said, I'm not going to let him. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he does not want to let you go. God is going to keep Pharaoh from doing it. Then eventually, he will. 
Because God's going to do that too. God's going to put the pressure on, put the pressure on, put the pressure on, until finally Pharaoh will break. And then God will let him let them go. He will break his hardened heart. He will soften his hardened heart. And all the while, the key piece in this will be Moses talking to him, communicating to him, explaining the ten plagues to him, explaining to him what God is saying, explaining why God is putting judgment on, why God is applying the pressure, trying to get Pharaoh to squeeze and to break and to let the people go. But why is Moses that key figure? Because God is going to make Moses like God to Pharaoh. God is doing it. And I want to ask here today. Are there any relationships in your world in which you are like God to somebody? Are there any people hearing what God says from you? Are there any people getting how God is from you? Are there any people seeing, no, that's what God's like? See, you and I have got to realize, you don't sit back and do nothing, trusting, you know, God's going to reach Fairdale. Those kids at the high school are going to be saved. They are. We're just going to keep praying for it. Let's just all sit right here. Let's do nothing Monday through Friday. Let's come back Sunday and see if something happened. I hope God makes a difference here in this community. I hope these million people in Louisville come to faith in Christ. Let's just keep doing nothing. See, we pray to God for Him to do it. But how does He do it? He does it when His people are like God in the world. Here's what you need to do. I stood out there on Friday with the last remaining Flynn Brothers Construction Company worker. I love this guy. Hard-working, young guy, lives in Spencer County. He was just talking to me so much, he didn't seem to be in a hurry to leave. And I took that as an opportunity to talk to him. I asked him if he went to church, and he said no. So he doesn't just doesn't really have time for it. I asked him if he believed in Jesus, and he said, "Yeah, oh yeah, I do. I, I do believe in Jesus." I told him he needs to he needs to find a church. Folks, God does not say that you can be believing in Jesus without a church. It doesn't make sense. He doesn't say that. How's that man ever going to know that? I don't know if he believes in Jesus or not. If he believes in Jesus and doesn't have a church, then he's wrong there and disobedient. He needs to get that right. I don't know if he does. But if you know the God of the Bible, he says you are to be the church. But here's what I'm getting at. If there's not somebody in the world like you, being God out there, telling him what God says, he's never going to know. Never going to know. Could you and I sit here, just think with me, and just pray and pray and pray that that man would would know the truth if nobody goes and tells him the truth? No. That wouldn't make sense. See, what God is doing in the world, He is doing through you and me. 
He's doing through His people. And when we look at this passage and we see, remember who did this. We are to be remembering that God is using them. Chapter 7 verse 1 says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Look at verse 4. Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt. Look at verse 5. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Look at verse 6. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Verse 6 of chapter 7 is key in this. It seems to tell us that Moses and Aaron are now obeying God completely. He says, God, you've not delivered us at all. We're miserable. Why'd you even send me? He asks. He's complaining. He's had bad days. We've had bad days. Our church has had bad days. Our church has had bad seasons. Fairdale has experienced rough years from First Baptist Church of Fairdale. And I pray and I'm thankful that those are long gone and in the past. But now Moses and Aaron are walking in complete obedience. Folks, First Baptist Church Fairdale is not to be what we were 20 years ago. We are to be a people obedient to God. Here's where we are. Here's where he's called us. Here's what we are to be doing. And chapter 7, verse 6 says, they did everything the Lord God commanded them to do. Perfect obedience from them. Do they get the credit? Oh, no. We remember who they are. Nobody listens to them. They don't speak well. We see the genealogy. These are a bunch of old guys. They don't get the glory here. Who's going to do this? God. Who are the key players? Moses and Aaron. Faithful and obedience to do exactly what God had called them to do. In your bulletin I have there as the title, it says, do what you're supposed to do. And at the heart of what it means to be a child of God is that, yes, there are some things expected from me. There are some things expected. And all of you will be benefited by my life or hurt by my life when it comes to your relationship with God. But you know what? It's not just me. It's the way it is for all of you. We feel the ups and downs when you are struggling with your walk with the Lord. The community recognizes the work of God. Or the lack thereof when the people of God don't walk with the Lord. Last night we're reading the Bible to the boys before we go to sleep. And right now we're reading in the Action Bible where King David has died and Solomon has become king. And we see that where he prayed to God for wisdom and and God gave Solomon all this wisdom. And you know this. And Solomon gets all this wealth. And at first Solomon knew that this wisdom and wealth was from God God gave it to him, and now it's to be used for God's glory, but it gets the best of Solomon. And it goes to his head. And last night we read where the Queen of Sheba comes in. And Solomon just shows off his great city and his great temple and all of his wealth and his power and just says, we we got it going on. We're awesome. He had forgotten God did this. He had forgotten that it wasn't too long ago where he was on his knees praying, God, I don't know. Give me wisdom. I don't know, God, what to do. Give me wisdom. I don't have understanding. Well, when God finally answers that prayer and gives you wisdom, don't you take credit for it. Well, here's what I do and here's how I'm so wise. Just like there's been many people who've been down and out financially. 
I dare to say that everybody in the room at one point was struggling financially. Maybe it was when you were in school or maybe it was when you were first getting a job. But we've all been down and out financially at one point or another. And how dare we, once we have money, act like I did this. My good decisions are what placed me here. No, God gives that. And it's so unhealthy for us to think, well, God didn't actually do this. I did this. No, God did that. And in our passage here, before we get into the plagues, which will start next week, God is showing us, remember who you are. You're nothing special. Remember who did this. God did it. Just last Saturday, I was at Sardis Baptist Church in Indian Trail, North Carolina, preaching the funeral for my grandfather. That's my home church. That's where the funeral was. My grandparents didn't have a church, and um, he died in Florida, so they had everything up in North Carolina. Didn't have a place to have it. Didn't have a place to have it, so they had it up there. As I stood there on their stage to preach about Jesus, I was reminded that 15 years ago, when I was 19, like a lot of the young people in our church now, I walked that aisle to tell that congregation that God had called me into the ministry. I remember thinking, I don't even know what theology is. I remember thinking, I've never read a theology book. I remember thinking, I don't have a relationship with anybody that's in the ministry. I've never had anybody talk to me about what it takes to be a pastor or a minister. I was a teenager that knew nothing. It was only four years later when I, when I showed up here. And y'all remember me as a young guy who, who knew nothing. But I got a little sentimental and emotional last Saturday. As God was reminding me. You remember that day here that God called you into the ministry? And I was reminded that God works in me. God's growing me. God is changing me. But it's God that's doing it. I was reminded of a conversation that I had with my mom and dad in which my dad said, son, what are you going to do with your life? I said, dad, I don't know. You better know, he said. We were sitting on the back porch. Neither, nobody in my family ever has been in the ministry, ever. I had zero influence at all from family to be in the ministry. I don't even have one other option of what made it happen but God. God called me into the ministry. In the book of Exodus, God wants you and I to see God does this. God is doing this. And when it comes to big things... Like nations being persecuted under slavery. There will not be key people that can be the deciding factor. God must do it. My third point. Remember who gets the credit. Here's the setting for the deliverance of the people. Next week we will start the plagues. We've got Moses and Aaron as some key pieces. Are they great? No, not at all. We see them and their flaws. We do see them with their call of God, but we see them with their flaws. 
We see that they're not anything special. We see that no one listens to him. We see that he doesn't speak well. We see his genealogy like we have. We see that his age. That's Moses. What about Pharaoh? Is Pharaoh this nice guy? He's going to do some favors and uh, the the, the people of Israel are going to be good for him. And he's going to uh, be kind to them and let them go. Is that what's going to happen? Not at all. Is some other nation like United Nations or, or a powerful group going to come in and tell Pharaoh, hey, you ought to not be so oppressive to the people of Israel. We command you to let them go or we're coming in with the war. We're going to bring forces. That's what's going to happen. Not at all. We got Moses here. He's not the one that's going to get the credit. We got Pharaoh here. He's not the one that's going to get the credit. And I want to say two things. First of all, Pharaoh was adamant. I'm not letting them go. Pharaoh was adamant. Who is your God? Remember? Moses says, our God says. And Pharaoh says, who's your God? I'm not listening to him. I don't care what he says. And then on top of that, we also have that God says Pharaoh's not going to. So Moses and Aaron are not the ones that get the credit. Pharaoh is not the one who gets the credit. God is. God is the Lord. He says four times in this passage. God is the Savior. God is the Redeemer and the Deliverer. And there will be no mistaking this when He does it. In our call to worship today, we read Psalm 52. Psalm 52 verse 9 says, I will thank you forever because you have done it. I want to ask you, has God done anything in your life? And do you know and remember forever that he did it? In one of the songs that I've been listening to lately by Lecrae Moore, he says, he did it. He did it. He changed me and I'm with it. He made me what I'm supposed to be. In your bulletin today, I said, do what you're supposed to do. Moses and Aaron doing what they're supposed to do. And it's God that's doing it. And therefore, God gets the credit. And yet you and I are living, understanding that, yes, God is bigger than us. And understanding that, yes, when I remember who I am, I realize that. And yet at times, perhaps you think... I can't do what I'm supposed to do. Because the message of the Bible is not do what you're supposed to do. As often as you remind yourself to do what you're supposed to do. Still comes back on. I'm not able. The Bible tells us. That's the very reason that Christ came. Because for as much as we do well, we still do wrong. And Christ died on the cross because we're not able to do what we're supposed to do. And if anybody would believe in Christ and repent of their sins, they could be saved. And then God gives them a heart that desires to know him and love him and obey him. While all the while making sure he did it. He did it. He did it. I want to ask you today if you can say He did this to me. I want to ask you today if you feel he's doing this to me. Do you remember who you are? 
Do you remember that he did it? And do you remember that he gets the glory in it? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this Exodus story, setting us up for the plagues, the deliverance, setting us up for what is going to be God reaching out with a strong hand and delivering them. God will show his power over Pharaoh. Father, thank you that we see this with Moses and Aaron. And thank you, God, that we can make that connection to our lives. Father, help us to be a people that remember. Remember where we were. Remember where you've brought us so that you get the glory. Father, if we're here today and we don't know that. We don't look back and see how you have moved in us. May we turn to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.